Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On today's episode, we have Lachlan, Camille, Ricardo, Lauren, Tim and Justin. We talk about recovering technologies from the past and how some of our most modern inventions are really quite old and how we should progress into the future and save and store information. Just what parts of our digital footprints do we want to leave behind? And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. How I saved the day by returning the chocolate-coated goat to Questacon. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> This is a spin-off of our regular game, Fact or Fiction, where we, we figure out whether things are true or false. But in this example, Ricardo has to tell us which of these inventions are the most recent. We're going to give him a list of inventions. Each one of us is going to give him an invention type, and then he's going to have to order them and put them in the correct order. There's five of them, and he has to figure out which one of these modern inventions are, in fact, the oldest, and which one of these modern inventions are the youngest. Each of, our, each of our panel here is going to give Ricardo one quick little summary, and then once he's given us his rundown of the list, we'll actually give you the story behind each of the options. So let's kick it off with Camille. Okay, I'm ready for this. Alrighty, so when I like to walk around the town, I like to walk on a relatively smooth surface, aka concrete. That's, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So, so that's invention number one. Number concrete, one, concrete. Okay. <laughs> Lauren? Invention number two is vending machines. I mean, you can get a lot of things from vending machines these days. You can even get like hot coffee or you can go out and buy yourself some chips. Ooh, and pizza. You can get pizza from vending machines. But how long ago were they invented? Right, so that's number two, vending machines. Okay. Number three, Lachlan. So, Ricardo, when you go to Japan or Disneyland... Or Japanese Disneyland. Yes. You can go and watch your favourite J-pop performers, but in robot form. You can watch robotic performances. Entire plays made of robots. That's yep. number three. Tim, what's number four? Alright, now I'm sure you own many a digital video disc or a DVD, but how long ago do you reckon that optical discs were invented? Right, so that's number four. Optical disc oh, for this video. Is all optical discs. Optical disc for, vo- for video, specifically for video. Alright, and the fifth one, and final one here is I'm sure you've all seen Futurama. Uh, no. The pneumatic tubes that transport people around the city of New York in Futurama. That is option number five. Okay, so Ricardo, I need you now to tell sorry, us. Sorry, Justin, just to clarify, they, these are pneumatic tubes. Not the ones that transport people around, right? Um, these are pneumatic tubes to transport a variety of things, including very large objects. It yep, could okay. be people. It could be. Could be. All right. He's just tabulating his results. Ricardo, which one do you think is the... Uh, let's, let's start. Which one do you think is the youngest and work to the oldest? All right. So, in terms of youngest, I think I might go with the vending machine. Okay. What's the second youngest? Uh, followed by concrete. Okay. Now, I know we've had variations um, on, on cement and whatnot. Okay, um, we'll keep going. What, what about third? Third? Uh, this was a hard one. And I put it uh, at the, the optical disc for videos. Because the robotics plays, uh, and while well, more so the mechanical plays, have been around for a while, I know this much. Um, and uh, pneumatic tubes uh, have also been around. Uh, if I had to pick between them, however, I would say the more recent of the two uh, would be the pneumatic tubes, putting the robotic plays at, 
and uh, the oldest. Okay, thanks, thanks, Ricardo. We're gonna now we're gonna get our reveal to you the stories behind each of our things. So why don't we kick it off with your selection, robotic players, Lachlan? Just give us a brief summary of what actually happens with them. So Ricardo, hero of Alexandria, was a pretty cool person. In 50 BC... AD, AD. In 50 AD, they had these mechanical automatons that were powered by steam that would move and would hit chimes and play music and do things that people would watch these performances for up to 10 minutes. And this was in 50 AD. Yes! So I think, what I think you've got there is you're actually reasonably correct. Right, I'll, we'll pay you with that one potentially. Right, so you're doing pretty well so far. Let's go to Lauren. Where, Lauren, where, where do you fall in all of this? Vending machines. Yep, same guy. Vending machines were actually created by the same guy, Hero of Alexandria. He created um, vending machines so people would go along with their little coins and they get soap and things like holy water to make offerings with. Back in ancient Egypt. Yep. Back in ancient Egypt. So that's oh wow! The, so this is without any electricity whatsoever. That's right, and that's seventy. That's around uh, fifty AD as well. So not nearly as recent as you thought they were. <laughs> no, so <laughs> not not, not, not doing one. so well. <laughs> All right, Camille. Camille, what about what about you? What do you have? Um, so concrete. So what we think is concrete today isn't actually concrete because concrete was invented by the Romans very long time ago and we actually don't know how they made that concrete and we can't make it as well as they've been making it so that so was... what you're saying is, is that the secrets of this uh, ancient concrete have been lost uh to the Romans. Yes, yes. That's has. right. We, Romans invented concrete at around, at around uh, probably 200 BC. And um, we don't know how to make it. We don't know how to copy it. We've been trying since 1800s to copy concrete, and we haven't figured it out, even today. Who's going to win first, do you reckon? The chemical, uh, the analytical chemists or the historians that will find out the <laughs> cooking book for concrete? I think, I think it's a bit of both. All right, so that's, so that's probably the oldest, followed by Alexandria with the vending machine and the robots, which leaves now the DVDs and the tubes. All right, so Tim, talk about the DVDs. All right, so DVDs, uh, they were... You, most people think of a DVD as a recent invention, uh, um, about 1980s, but in fact, the first DVD was in 1928. Uh, there was a Scottish inventor who made a uh, technology which, uh, which he called the video disc, and it was a series of recordings on standard um, records, so uh, gramophone records, but um, what, they, um, what they were were video signals, not audio signals, but visual signals attached to a mechanism which could translate them. And so this was in 1928. And uh, the, the final one that we want to touch on is the pneumatic tubes, which aren't from Futurama 3000 AD. They're from, in fact, <laughs> probably the same time, 1920s America, um, New York. In New York, there's an island, which is a certain island in New York, uh, where they have basically a whole series of apartments that they built. When they built this city at the turn of the century, they built all these steam-powered and vacuum-powered tubes, which they sent to every building, not only to send mail, but to send other objects, packages. They also used it to remove garbage, so all garbage removal in that city is handled by robot, um, pneumatic tubes, and any other like large things that you could put through. There is even some tubes where you can send people down on a special runner, but it wasn't used that much because of this... The speed being far too great for really safe use. <laughs> so, <laughs> pneumatic tube, 
Pneumatic yeah, tubes are from the 20, yeah, from about the turn of the century, um, 1900s to 1920 in New York as well. So, Ricardo, you got some right, but uh, largely speaking, you, you miscalled some of those things there. I was, in, I was on the money with the robotic piece because they've been around for a while. Yes, the you... optical discs I knew, they, they did not rise when the DVD rose. Of course, if, if we can uh, record audio, what's to stop a crazy scientist from recording visuals? So. Well, you, you did pretty well, so thanks for playing our um, Fact or Fiction history game, and we'll leave it there for this week. So with Hero of Alexandria, we're talking about sort of some technologies, oh, and the concrete, technologies that were once discovered and made and, and humanity benefited from them, and we lost the knowledge to actually apply that stuff. And this sort of shows why it's important to maintain good history, good records, and actually pass knowledge to the next generations, why education is important. Um, so another interesting example of this um, comes sort of um, feudal Japan, the time of samurais and stuff like that, um, where... Um, the metalsmiths had this really, really special way of, of bending the metal, heating it up, um, bending the blades over and over again, folding the metal um, to make it really, really, really strong. And we've actually lost the ability to temper metal that way, and so we can't make metal as strong as... We can't make them samurai strong, basically. Is that why we don't see many samurais around these days? That's, because they don't have the right equipment? That's probably the only reason why we don't see samurais these days, yes. <laughs> mm. And it's really interesting because there's a lot of different technologies and things and people that have had great ideas. And one of the ways to think about it as well is not just in science, but in every other facet of human life. When you consider the greatest works of fiction and stories may probably be oral record, which can be lost quite easily through time. The same thing can be said about music, which it also can be lost in the ravages of time. How many virtuoso Jimi Hendrix did we have before we invented recording devices? And that's really interesting to think about. So when you apply that to knowledge and science, it's no surprise really when you think about how long some of these inventions had to sit around for. If people didn't know what they were doing, they could have just been copying and lost the reason and the rationale behind what they were doing. Forming sort of a cargo cult where you stop understanding the full reasoning and, and stop understanding the science behind something and just the application. And that's why it's so important to maintain a good, solid fundamental understanding so you can keep building and improving on these things. And that's where one of the great repositories of human knowledge, the Library of Alexandria, came in, which was a huge repository of everything that the world knew. And it was incredible. They had texts from all over the ancient world, from uh, Africa through to uh, Asia uh, and, and Northern Europe, all centralised in, uh, in Alexandria in Egypt. So it's no surprise Hero himself was from Alexandria. It was a centre of knowledge. Uh, but when the library was burnt down at about 500 BC, or AD, all that knowledge was lost to the world. And it was a great, great loss um, in terms of our human understanding. And it's not that people didn't know what was going on. Obviously, the idea still existed. It's just that the, public, the publication and access to that information was gone. That's one of the incredible things about the internet, is that it means people have access to information in a wide variety of sources, and it's stored in many, many places. So that individually your house may burn down, but the secrets to everything you've discovered or written about is kept somewhere else. Which of course begs the question, what do we do once our hard drives and the internet starts failing? How do we store our current digital knowledge going forward into the future? We can keep books around, but what do we do with the digital life and footprint that we have? Do we delete things like Rebecca Black's um, Friday? Are you, are you saying, is it a question of space, Justin, and what we can actually keep? No, I, it's a question of long-term stability. We have data formats. Look at your VHS tapes. How are you going to play those now without the equipment to translate that? 
And even if you do keep the equipment, the storage medium itself degrades over time. Um, VHSs don't last more than about 50 years. Um, even the highest, highest standard of optical disc recording, um, gold-plated discs, they last 100 years, after which they begin to break down. The information becomes fuzzy and unreadable. That also brings me to the idea of um, that brings me to the idea of digital decay, which is um, something that social networking are starting to experiment with. Where like, if you're 15 years old and a social networking, your information's actually designed to delete itself in three years, so that by the time you're 18, you leave no record of the dumb stuff you did when you were a teenager. That'd be amazing. And that's what they're actually looking at trying to do is to um, make things not live, uh, to be able to. Decide how long you want your digital legacy to last for, whether you want it to last forever or whether you don't want people accessing your photos after you're dead. And that's in the EU constitution as the right to disappear, the right to have your information. So Europe is really big on pushing for that. One of the uh, interesting other parts about that question, though, is, is that really new? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear-mongering about digital footprint and, <laughs> and, uh, your, and the evils of social media. But realistically, that's been around forever. Your name and your reputation could be besmirched just as easily as it could uh, 50 years ago than it can be now. Bullying and human interaction in high school hasn't changed. But having access to um, such a wide information stream does make it easier for things like governments to track what people are talking about or thinking about if that is what they wanted to do. Mm. And it really comes down to the question of um, how does one escape their past and whether or not their past needs to be something that they, can, they have to escape. We've all done embarrassing and stupid things, but as soon as that information becomes normalised and recorded, it's no longer some big secret. Mm. If we cover it up and we make it all secretive, then it's more damaging when it gets out. But if it's all there in the public space, everyone knows it, everyone has the same thing and the same problem, and so no one's ashamed of it anymore. And it's a way of normalising our foolish childhood pasts. Well, that's come like more and more people are sharing stuff they wouldn't normally share with everyone on, like, say, for, you know, on Facebook you have people you don't really know properly, but you're still willing to share all the private parts of your life with all your internet pals. Like, So you're saying if, when I get naked and take lots of pictures of myself, Camille, if I accidentally send those to people I sort of know rather than just you guys? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Like, people are becoming more public about their personal affairs. And, and that's not a bad thing. Information only has a power over us. A secret only has power over us if we give it the ability to have power over us. If we, as soon as we start to fear something, we give it a sense of control over our lives. Once we're no longer afraid of it and we can go, yeah, okay, I used to post YOLO, YOLO hashtag status updates. But I, we all did. I'm not really ashamed of that. It's only the problem when you start trying to cover it up. And there's a lot of politicians who have this sort of thing now, instead of being trying to hide their past, they're like, they're open about it and they go, look, I'm not hiding my record it's out there, if you want to go see it the photos of Barack Obama when he was a young person at college smoking marijuana, is available on the internet, he was still elected president of the United States he didn't try and hide those photos he didn't try to cover them up and delete them from the record, he said, yes, I was a teenager at university in the 70s <laughs> and you've also got um, companies who you can pay to delete your past but Justin, what you're saying before, with people not really caring about your past, if if my future employers find out just how hashtag your law I am, I think depending on their personality, that could actually significantly impact my employability. That's right. It does under the old model. But what I'm saying is, as our culture evolves and changes, that will become less and less relevant. 
Once the baby boomers are gone and everyone is used to this overshare of information, you, employing someone in 20 years' time, aren't going to care that they have the equivalent of a Tumblr or a MySpace or whatever page because you know that you had a similar thing in your past. So the real answer is get rid of the baby boomers? <laughs> no, no, it's just a part well, of a cultural, <laughs> cultural change and we get more used to openness and sharing. We know and we accept it. We don't try and let it have power over us. There's no need to fear progress. We just need to learn and adapt with our culture. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Today we played a game show where we guessed the age of various technologies from history. And we also discussed the ethics of our digital footprints and just what exactly we leave behind for future generations. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.